Ferber, you're like across the room. Yeah, my mic's far away. I just haven't picked it up. <laughs> so now I'm yelling so that you can hear me. <laughs> so now I'm yelling. That's a God, I wish I was in the real um in the in the actual show, because then I could put that as the title. CavsCorner.com podcast. CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, December the 20th. Jolly old St. Nick got a big uh, pack on his back and all that fun stuff, uh, but just in a few days. Before that, you get this tasty treat uh, in your podcast feed or app or whatever. Um, we are going to talk about UVA's National Signing Day 2023, though technically it's a class of 2024, but years are weird. Um, and we're, we're not going to be talking about uh, the game last night. We, I think, I, I personally, I need I need a little bit of distance um, from whatever that was in the second half. It wasn't exactly great in the first half, but it really got went off the rails in the second half. And it's probably better if we don't discuss that less than 24 hours later, or I guess roughly 24 hours later as the case may be. Uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First, in Fishersville, board moderator du jour himself, David Spence, is on the show. How's it going, my friend? It's going pretty well. Uh, I win. Google me. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter? I have no idea. Sometimes you. Oh, sometimes, that's so good. You got to find it. Okay. Right. <laughs> All right. I, I guess I, I have homework. All right. Um, Maybe you should Google it. Wow. Can you start? Now you both. I, it's not fair when you guys both. Okay, fine. In uh, Charlottesville, Editor-in-Chief Justin Ferber is also on this year's program. How's it going, my dude? You're lucky I even made it because I was about to go see uh, the newly released rom-com Anybody, Anyone But You. I didn't even know what it was <laughs> called, uh, at, uh, per Dave's uh, recommendation. Uh, but I decided to be here with you guys instead. I'll see you tomorrow. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. I have no idea what's happening right now. Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional way banter. All right, so UVA put the finishing touches, question mark, question mark, dot, 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 question mark, on its uh, 2024 class today. I don't think we have – well, I mean, I guess you really can't say for sure that they won't add somebody else. Um, always an option. Um, certainly transfer portal guys, but – I, 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 we, we need to discuss the whole way that we're discussing the transfer portal on signing days. This has been a, a beef of mine for a couple of years now, and it's just getting worse. Um, overall, a, a solid class, even though it's not necessarily a large class. And the problem with, um, you know, if the problem with the rankings in terms of, you know, team by team is that there's got to be a formula that it includes, you know, some semblance of like, hey, do you have a bunch of really good players? So, the the formulas and the calculus in there, you know, you're not going to show well when you only have 14 signees. But overall, the star average star ranking is pretty solid. Um, Dave, let's start with you. Some give me some overall thoughts on the class UVA put together today, 
And whether it's whether it's the signees themselves, whether it's the way UVA presented the thing, whether it's what you heard from Tony Elliott and his um, and his staff, what are some of your takeaways from today? I mean, I like the players in the class, and they, I mean, I think they're they all have upside. Um, I, mean, I think every every fan thinks that about their class for sure. But you know, the staff, if they've proven one thing, is they're pretty good at identifying talent. Um, we saw a lot of freshmen contribute this past season, first years, and. Hopefully these guys will too. Um, you know, a lot more guys this year that had multiple power five offers than last year's class had, um, despite, you know, no one being above a, they got five, seven or five, eight on rivals. Five, seven, I think was the highest. Um, mm-hmm. But a good class overall. I mean, I think the, I mean, I'm glad they brought the signing day show back. The coaches have been a little more active on Twitter. Uh, not the big guy, but um, look, they're making strides, but I, I don't think you can, I'm, look, they have two classes now. They haven't really made a big dent into the Virginia recruiting. Um, you know, they've got what five guys in this class, I think. Um, four. Don't have my notes in front of me. Four. Okay. It's four. Um, oh, we have five if you count Tyree, which is I'm sure you're going to rant about. Um, but <laughs> or actually six if you count the transfers. But um, look at me. I think you know, Virginia Tech beat them pretty soundly in the state and amongst the top twenty-five at least. And I think if you know, Virginia's always going to struggle to to recruit every kid in the state just because of the academic profile and and what twenty years of being dominated by your in-state rival. But um, progress in that front, but still probably not the progress you'd like to see two years in. So hopefully that changes for twenty twenty five. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, if we want to split hairs, if they're going to count the transfer kids, then you kind of need to also count. You know, there are a couple of them. Um, you know, the Neville kids from Virginia, Tyrese from Virginia. Um, Ferber, what about you? What are what were some of your takeaways from today? Be it the class, be it the presentation, be it anything that you heard or saw? Yeah, I mean, I think the the class is small. So, I mean, like that kind of, um, you know, it's not, you know, over the years do covering signing day for the website, I mean, I feel like a lot of times it's been 22 guys or, thir- you know, 21 guys or 19 guys. Um you know, 13 freshmen, or was it 14? I think 14 with Courtney, right? Um, you know, I, I, like it's a small group, uh, I, but the, it's interesting because I feel like last year's class, I mean, I'll just, you know, we, I think we probably talked about it on the pod, but, you know, it felt like there were a lot of guys in it that could end up being good players, but like it felt like they were kind of, I don't want to say projects, but kind of projects, you know, like multi-year developmental players, Um or players that were overlooked or, you know, didn't have power five offers. Um, and some of those guys ended up being in state players or, you know, guys with connections to UVA, like to Kai Kirby, that kind of thing. Um, and, and, you know, we'll see how those guys pan out over the course of, you know, the next few years. Um, there were certainly at least one or two in there that were kind of under the radar, but they ended up being pretty good. And, and those are guys that we kind of highlighted as like, this guy's underrated. Um, this class doesn't have as many of those, like, um projection type recruits where it's like oh well you know we'll see where he is if he if his you know if he hits all his measurables and his body gets where we think it can in three years he can be a contributor um i don't think they have a lot of guys like that in this class which is good i mean i think they have guys that um will probably slide in and and maybe not play a ton because there's guys in front of you but are going to be guys that'll kind of assimilate maybe a little easier to to college football and they didn't get a lot of like big time recruits, you know, they didn't have a four star, but they also didn't have a two star. Um, 
and and some of that's how players are ranked nowadays. But um, I, I honestly think like go, going through the group, I didn't I didn't have a guy or two where I was like I don't know, like you know. So um, they all kind of made sense to me. And, and the question is going to be like, how well are they developed, and can you take a three star guy and and beat teams with four stars? Yeah, I, I thought that you know we've talked a lot about the trenches in you know any in any of our football podcasts. You know, we I think we all feel pretty solid about you know a handful of positions, but we're overall just sort of looking for more um, more options on the offensive line and certainly more um, consistency, more production uh, in terms of a pass rush, right? Um, and I, I like. I like the offensive lineman in this group. Now, again, I'm not going to count Metcalf in that because, you know, I, I think that our, our inclinate or our um, propensity to put them together. I mean, it's just so different. Like the two worlds are just so different. And I'm, I got a whole question about that in a minute, but I, I think York and, and um, especially York, but, but especially, you know, in terms of size, right? Like it's one thing to get like a six three, six four dude, but give me six five, six six, like roughly three hundred pounds. Give me somebody with some some actual like length, somebody with a reach. Um, I, I I'm not saying I'm not trying to put it on to make the you know make any of these guys like brick or whatever, but it just it it's good to see them getting you know quality offensive linemen. Um, I also thought that you know the overall theme of trying to do better in state they do they do have a little bit you know in terms of the receipts here um, between the transfers and the, the signees um, Dave said something to me, or I guess to all of us, sorry to about the Simmons kids. Simmons kid might be a dude, Dave. I want you to, I want you to extrapolate that out because I think he might be a dude and I'm really curious to get, to hear your, your thought process on why you think he, he might be a dude. Yeah. I mean, Look, he's got a pedigree, right? His dad's Brian Simmons. He's a pretty good player um, at Carolina. And then the, uh, you know, his measurables, he's 6'4". You know, they talked about it on the show today. He ran a 4'6", 40 at that, you know, 240, yeah. 250 pounds, whatever he is. Um, and in his tape, he just looks, you know, he looks twitchy and explosive off the line. Yeah. Um, you know, as someone, you know, he's going to be slated to play defensive tackle here, um, at least to start with. But I think he's a guy who can who can potentially disrupt, especially as he grows into his frame. You know, he's been around the games. Dad knows the game. Um, yeah, and, and at a position of need for Virginia, you know, for every school, you need to have multiple guys. Um, and, you yeah. know, the defensive line, maybe not a lot, a lot of production we wanted to see last year, but a lot of returning pieces. And I think, you know, a guy like Simmons, um, you know, to have behind Hammond and Carter and, you know, Olu, if he's able to get back, um, you know, that, that adds some depth we didn't have last year. Yeah, I agree with that. The other thing, too, getting Cam Courtney at the end of the cycle, um, that is a program you want to be getting guys from. Like, Freedom is I, – I don't think they're going anywhere, right? And between that, you got a kid from Avon Old Farms. You've obviously got um, the kid from Thomas Dale. Um, you know, it's good, you know – it's good to have schools that you, you know, like you're, they're going to pull kids from Episcopal, right? But like, it's good to get, to get these talented players from places that win, um, that, you know, we know have a, you know, a track record. And I, I don't, 
I don't think that is as, as important as it used to be. Um, you know, the whole pipeline thing. But I do think that as as we go forward, I, I there's not there hasn't been enough sort of evidence yet for this to be much more than anecdotal. But it sure seems like a lot of schools that were getting transfer kids, the transfers are basically saying, "I'm coming home," right? Guys who you know, especially in Virginia, Virginia Tech's case, right? Like left Virginia to go someplace else and then are coming back. Um, now th- it remains to be seen if that's a th- if that's an actual trend that happens more with the portal going forward. Um, certainly thus far we've seen a handful of guys that'll, that are doing that. Um, I wonder if it'll be a little bit of an extension, kind of like those bounce back recruitments, you know, Tony Bennett is, is kind of famous for getting those kids the second time around the, you know, Anthony Gills and the same Housers and that kind of thing. But, you know, in terms of the way this all works out, um, I, I mean, honestly, like, I think it kind of fits, like, this is one of those rare instances where I, you know, we've given the, the staff a, a good amount of grief um, at times, right? The rhetoric here matches what we've seen in the results, which is they want to they wanna be a developmental program. They want to have an identity. And it feels like who they're recruiting, where they're getting the kids from, it tracks. Um, Ferber, in general, do you, would you agree with that? Do you feel like it, it, the, the piece about the, um, you know, the identity that it, it feels um, it feels like a, to borrow Dave's phrase here, it feels like a paragraph instead of a, a bunch of sentences. Like, do you feel like there's some real, um, consistency there? Yeah. I mean, I think they, they, in this class, they found guys that fit the profile. Um, and they, you know, were able to beat out some relatively similar competition to get those guys. And, you know, it does take time. I, we've been kind of, you know, waiting to see the signs of progress and, I think, you know, just looking at the, the ability of the coaching staff to close some of the transfers that they've closed, in addition to some of the high school players, gives me some optimism that they can close recruitments and win recruitments, right? Um, the You know, the, the next level might be, you know, just getting them up to a place where they're getting, you know, more high-end guys and getting better right. in-state players. But right. ultimately, I, I feel like, you know, they're – I wouldn't say like trending in the right direction even just because like, I don't want to overstate the fact, but I mean, I like this class better than the previous one. I think the last one had more kind of like boom and bust in it. And, and I think, you know, we saw some promise from that group already this year. Um, but you know, this group, it, it does feel more like a, a typical UVA class, maybe just smaller. Um, you know, and I like that they were able to kind of go out and, um, win some of these early, and you know it, it's it's a it's a process, and and obviously now with the portal, like you know it's one of those things where it's like, do we even? I mean, obviously signing day isn't as important as it once was. I think we would all agree. Um, and you know, I think a part of that is is because like you can either clean up your mistakes in the portal, or you know, get depth in the portal, or get starters in the portal, and and maybe the high school recruiting kind of takes a backseat to that, but maybe UVA could find like an efficiency in high school recruiting where, you know, you get a lot of these kind of players, three-star guys, and then keep them happy. So they stay. And right. then you have an older, more experienced, more cohesive team. And I think that's right. kind of what Tony was hinting at earlier. Yeah. To, to, to kind of that point. So in 2023, um, the Buchanan kid was a five, five, the Hammond kid was a five, seven, uh, Hardy was a five, four, um, 
trying to think of anybody else. Uh, Calandria, obviously a five five. Cam Robinson was a five seven, um, which I think we just we just really screwed the pooch on that one. Uh, but I mean, he uh, was a high three. He was like, yeah, you know, size he should have he should have been a four. Um, Dre Walker was a five five. Um, I mean, that like was a these, guy that we knew he was good when we watched the tape. <laughs> like, yeah, for we sure. Like, he can play. <laughs> so my, my point in pointing that, that out is like, if you look at this class, right. And you look at, you know, yeah, the, the numbers are such that, yeah, UVA had a top 60 class last year. They're not going to have that this year with 13 commitments. Right. Or excuse me at this point, signees, but you know, Cam Courtney's a five, five miles. Brown's a five, five, your offensive linemen are five fives. The Hayes kid was a five, five Adams is a five, five gray's a five, six, like these are similar types of guys, guys we've seen make impact uh, already, right? Guys who last year, you know, this past fall had to sort of be pushed into duty and did a pretty decent job. Um, frankly, as I look at the 2024 class as a group, if they did, if, if their DBs are any good, this is going to be a good group because they're kind of DB heavy, which they should be, um, especially if you count the, the Smith kid who played it. I forget. I always forget he played at Mallard Creek, um, which, you know, again, is one of those programs you kind of would like to have uh, a little bit of an in with. Um, you, we typically like to, on signing day, like pick a guy. Um, do you guys want to pick a guy this year? The guy you're most excited about? Um, if you're not, sure. if we're, if, if we're not prepared for it, that's, that's fine. I can just, you know, this, this little portion of the audio doesn't have <laughs> to actually see the light of day. Um, but I'm just curious to see like where our opinions are on like the guy that, and let's just count strictly the high school signees. We'll talk about the transfers yeah. here in a hot second. But Dave, of the signees, who's who's the guy you're most excited about? I mean, I'm excited about Simmons certainly. Um, I'm going to pick one guy because that's what you asked, um, and I'm going to do it because I think he's going to play um, just because of need, and that would be Kiki Adams. Um, yeah, he was going to be my guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think he can he can play safety. He might be able to play nickel, you know, and he might be good enough to play a DB. And Lord knows we need help back there, and we don't know what the combination is. And the staff has shown they're willing to play those guys. And his film's pretty impressive. He's got good instincts. Good, you know, he can tackle. Um, and I think it's you know they always say further away from the ball, the more likely you are to play young. Um, so yeah, I mean I'll take him. I mean I'm excited about a few guys, but I'll I'll pick him because I might see production yeah. right away. Yeah, I agree with that. Ferber, what about you? Do you have a who who's the dude you're most excited about in this group? Adams is definitely on the board. Yeah, um, he was mine. I like the way he plays bigger than he's like listed. I would yeah, I would I would agree with that. I was too. surprised yeah. he was six one or whatever. I was like, oh, he looks pretty big out there, but obviously he's playing pretty he, he looks way more rangy. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's why. Um I'm gonna go with Cam Courtney, uh, just because I like him. Uh as a like think I just think, do you think he sticks at wide receiver? I don't know. I mean, I think he I, when I when I was looking at him when UVA was you know in the mix there at the end, I was kind of like, man, this dude could be a really good defensive back. Like, um, obviously they want him at receiver for a reason though, and I mean he does. You know, like I watched the highlights from the state championship game. He can do some stuff with the ball in his hands. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. and I think he could be a return man. I think Gaither even said that today. Um, you know, I think he's a guy that is going to find his way onto the field um, just because I think he, he might be like, I don't know if, I don't know if I would quite go this far, but he might be the most talented guy in this class. Mm. Um, and, you know, I'm just like looking at the athletic profile and I just think he's going to find a way onto the field. And um, the only problem maybe is like that might not pay off big time this year, just because there's, I mean, Dave and I talked about it. I think they have like 37 wide receivers. 
Um, <laughs> Maybe if he years. plays receiver. So, I mean, we'll see if they can find a way to get him the ball. And, and if he if he does play, obviously he's playing at someone else's expense. But I right. really like his potential. Yeah. Severely I, underrated. Yeah, yeah that's. I mean, I looked at him and was like, this guy feels like a 5'7 to me. I mean, he outran yeah. Highland Springs players like they were standing still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that doesn't happen very often. Yeah, I'm telling you, dude, the Freedom Boys don't mess around. All right, since those guys are on the board, I'll take the Rodgers kid. I mean, that any any tight end who can do backflips, I mean, I'm kind of down for it. Um, he certainly looks the part, right? Um, now, in terms of being able to contribute and that kind of stuff, you know, he's he's gonna have to put on weight. He's gonna have to, you know, do a lot of different things to play tight end. We haven't seen them really use the tight end, and I'm curious if that is because they haven't had a guy yet that they feel like fits the right way, if that's just a function of the sort of the necessity more than anything else, little column A, little column B, or you know, if it really comes down to they don't think that that is a position um, that really fa- factors in in a, in a significant way. I'm inclined to think the that that's not the case because they not only did they bring Rodgers in, he was a you know, obviously a tent pole sort of guy in his class felt like he was a, um, a linchpin in a lot of re- different recruitments, but also they brought in the Neville kid too. So it's not like, you know, they, they're, they're, they're tight on space right now. Um, even with the transfers out that they have, um, you know, I think a lot of people don't really understand that a lot of the dudes who, who left weren't necessarily scholarship guys. Um, a lot of those dudes are like PWOs, but it, it feels like to me, this is a position I think that they need to use more of in the future, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him sort of catch on. Yeah, Elliot kind of talked about it a little bit today. He said, you know, they they want to be an eleven personnel. You know, we're eleven personnel team, and just you know, having a tight end that can do both. You know, can block in the run game and then kind of split out wide. Something they haven't had. Like you know, if you think of Mish, he was more of a blocker, and you know, was more of a receiver. So it gets obvious when you switch them out. Um, what's happening. So like, you know, if Neville, not to start talking about transfers, but yeah, Neville, I think he can offer something we haven't had, you know, a pass catcher who can also block. So, and, you know, um, I think Elliot also said that Malik took um, a lot of routes that would have been for a tight end normally. Um, so it will be interesting to see if they use them because it sounds like they want to recruit another one. Um, mm-hmm. Malik's yeah, just out there running everybody's routes. Yeah. No, I got this. Yeah. Um, on the transfer front, so obviously I mentioned Neville. Um, I, we've talked about Tyree. Um, I, I, I mean, look, I think the reality is, is that we all expect that Andre Green is is coming. Um, I don't know when it gets announced, but you know, tea leaves and all the fun stuff certainly point in that direction. Um, you could make an argument that the Metcalf kid picking UVA was a substantial, um, you know, part of the whole transfer portal hall so to speak um and and that's no disrespect to to thomas or to smith because i think both of those guys are quality additions too overall though i gotta be honest i'm really kind of impressed a little bit with what they did in the portal um you know they do have like 37 wide receivers and it that doesn't seem to be slowing them down granted when you have a a guy come in as a transfer and in one season set the records that malik did and do what he did and be an all-american you know, that should be an easy thing to sell when you go out to sell it. Um, the only thing I would say is, like, I just wish there was more pass rush. I think, um, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to another offensive lineman if they had a spot for it. But for me, the pass rush piece of it is so important. Um, you know, I know um, 
I, I know that they f- probably think that, you know, with some of what they've got coming back, you know, but I wouldn't mind a dude that could, that could get after the quarterback, though I know that those guys are in demand. Um, Ferber, let's start with you on this one. Give me your overall thoughts on, on the transfers and kind of where you are with it. Do you, do you feel like they need to, to keep finding space to, to add another guy or two, or how, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, I mean, I think they have, what, like four or five spots open, and you'd have to assume that there's going to be like at least one or two more guys that leave, um, either now or after spring or whatever. Um, maybe there's a Cam Kelly uh, arrival departure. <laughs> Hopefully not. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think I like all the guys that they added. I, I can see why they added all of them. Um, you know, the thing I like about guys like Metcalf – and potentially green if they get him too, is just like how much more eligibility they have. Um, and you know, those guys can be kind of cornerstone pieces, not just for this year, like to, as a stopgap, but potentially for multiple years. Um, and you know, I think they've added some, I mean, if they get green, I, like, especially looking at what they did in the passing game, that's a pretty impressive haul. Like getting Chris Tyree, if they get green, great. Even if they don't, I mean, I, th- I still like the guys that they've added. Um, and, you know, all signs point to us, you know, talking about green in the future. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I really like what they're doing there. I mean, getting a quality tight end is good. Um, the two defensive guys that they added, I think, are promising and productive and could could be, you know, definitely like contributors. Um, and then, yeah, I think, I think you go out and probably add a couple more guys. Um, you know, they have to be the right guys probably. Otherwise, you're taking away from your 2025 recruiting class, which is off to a great start. Um, with three commits. That's another thing we didn't really talk about is they already have three really solid players in 2025. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I like what they did in the portal. Uh, I think the work is still kind of being done, you know, because it's not like they have to finish all these off today. Um, but, yeah, today. Um, but, yeah, I said before, it kind of speaks to and, – and maybe, yeah, they had some geographical advantages, you know, with some of these guys, you know, maybe wanting to come back home. Um, but being able to to go out and get what they've gotten um, speaks to an ability to sell, whether it's playing time or, or whatever you're selling, um, you know, it's, it's working, it seems like. so. And they yeah. haven't had – it doesn't feel like to me they've had a lot of guys that have been, like, in their crosshairs that they haven't gotten. Um, now obviously there's been guys that they've gone after, uh, and, or offered and didn't get, but like, it feels like most of the time when they get, when they kind of lock in on a guy, they've been successful. Yeah. Just to, so to save us some of the, uh, the Metcalf kid only has this one year of eligibility left, right? No, he has two. He has two. two. How does he have two? Yeah. They talked about it today. Um, I guess he, 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 he got a COVID year, right? Got the COVID year, and I think he redshirted, and then and then graduated yeah. from Stanford in three years. Yep, and then so he he's only played two years. Oh, okay, yeah. that's very. Then I next and then if Stanford. Green comes, he would have three. Because yeah. I know he played as a sophomore. In a couple in a years, junior. this will all be behind us. I mean, Cam Butler's playing a seventh year, so let's not that's act fair. like this is crazy. Yeah. yeah, we got a question <laughs> on the board about like the small recruiting class, and it was a good question. Um, but we were kind of talking about it, Dave and I, just answering the question. But like, um, you know, it's you're going to have these smaller classes now. It's just going to be part of it because it's like, why use 22 spots? If like you're looking at your team and you're like, well, we can take 13 or 14 guys. We really, really like, and then like five or six guys that we think could be good down the road. If everything works out, or you could take 
13 guys you really like and then save those spots for guys that can come in and play right away. Um, and then you also have flexibility, right? So like, even if you don't know what you want next off season, you have the spots. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't do you good to make your team good three years down the road. Cause you might not be there. Yeah, I mean, like look at Tony's situation right now. Like, do you think, you know, he's worried about what's going on in 2027? <laughs> like, you know, you gotta, he's got to win now. Like, um, and that's true of most coaches, you know? So, yeah. Home Field Apparel is back with brand new options for the Wahoos and so much more this year. With college basketball season ramping up, there has never been a better time to gear up with officially licensed apparel from Home Field. First-time customers can get 15% off their first order using the code CAVS23 at checkout. Home Field has comfortable, thoughtful selections, not just for UVA fans, but for more than 180 schools across the country. So this will make a great gift option no matter who you pull for. Home Field's plan is simple. Dig through the archives and the history of the schools to find unique logos, mascots, traditions, and moments to make thoughtful designs for your favorite school. I love what they've got from the older UVA logos and such, and the quality of the stuff I've gotten from Home Field is second to none. In fact, the hoodie with the Cavalier script across the chest is my go-to no matter what I'm doing. Home Field products are printed on high-quality garments with extreme comfort in mind. So don't miss this fall's hottest styles and the most sought-after apparel. Shop at Home Field today and wear one for the team. Homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code CAVS23 for 15% off your first order. Thanks to Homefield for their support of this show and all of CAVSCorner.com. That was a pretty perfect segue for me, honestly, because I was I wanted to talk about sort of this like new philosophy. Um, because clearly schools announce transfers and signees together. Historically, we've always thought of these two worlds as being separate, but now because of the numbers and because sort of the, the reality of the transfer portal, like I think you kind of have to start thinking about them in some way, shape or form, at least together, right. Related um, to, to Ferber's point just a minute ago, right? Like you're, if you, you have a number of spots, are you better off to use all of them in the portal? I mean, excuse me, all of them in the um, traditional recruiting? No, you're not like it, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because you can essentially go out and get the same thing you were going to get in, in recruiting but find it in a more sort of immediate package, right? And it's a sh- more of a sure thing. You have college film. Right. You've like, got college you know film. You've seen is. them against, exactly. You've seen them against real, you know, competition or at least something that you can kind of translate. Um, I still think like offensive linemen, I still think you're going to do a lot of your offensive line recruiting strictly. If you're doing it right, let's just say, you're doing a lot of that through your traditional high school recruiting in part because like, there are just not always a lot of offensive linemen in the portal. Um, and they are the hardest thing to find. It feels like, um, you know, you might get a guy who is leaving, you know, one level and wants to move up. Um, or you might get a guy like Metcalf who feels like he's just looking for the right situation. But in general, you're not getting a lot of like, Hey, this unhappy, there's this, un- this offensive lineman who's really good, but also unhappy. Like that's not really the way this works. Right. In part because there's five offensive linemen on every play, um, and then also too, just because that's the hardest position to project. Um, so if your evals are right, and you know, for example, them going to get in Stevens is a good sign, um, but they also got a couple of offensive linemen last year in the portal that didn't necessarily come, like didn't necessarily pan out the way I think they would have liked. You know, a lot of us would have hoped. You know, that kind of stuff. So I'm I'm curious to get just to kick this around for a few minutes, like. How do you guys sort of look at the way that these two pieces fold together? Because for me, I feel like this this reality with the change in terms of 
you know, so much attention on the portal. I feel like it's going to maximize the schools that are good at managing their rosters and really punish those who are bad at it. And what I mean by I was I was kind of thinking about like and again, I don't mean this in a disrespectful way. But like remember those Mike London classes that would have like 37 defensive backs in there, right? And like those classes were clearly kind of some shooting from the hip. Hey, here's this kid, he's good, let's take him. But if you didn't have a plan in in the old way, you were kind of screwed, right? Now, if you use too many of your spots in the wrong direction, if you're not if you don't have the right kind of like uh, feel for um, like what's actually happening. You know what I mean? Like not just your talent eval, not just knowing if the guy can, can do what you need him to do. But then in terms of knowing like who you need and who you don't need, dude, you can end up like ruining your whole team in like one bad group. And what I mean by that is you're not only not getting what you need from the guys that you need to get it from, you're not only setting yourself up poorly because you chose wrong in terms of the balance of the numbers, but then a third, you're getting, you know, you're basically running dudes off because you're essentially like not kind of treating them right. If the thing, if you know what I'm saying, if the thing doesn't, it doesn't work out the way you planned it. Uh, and I'm just curious to get y'all's opinion and viewpoints on sort of how these two things sort of fold together. Dave, let's start with you. What's your, what's your gut tell you on how this all works out and, um, how how schools should sort of view these two things? I mean, I think it depends on the school you are, right? Like, you know, if you're Georgia, Alabama, obviously you can think of things any way you want. You can take whoever you want when you want them. Um, but you know, for schools like Virginia, I think you've got to you got to you know self assess. Let's say you know, look at Virginia's the the signees today. Eleven of the thirteen committed before we played a football game this year. Um. Miles Brown committed in October and November, I think October, but he was the only one who committed who we didn't offer early. He was a guy they wanted to see before they offered and he committed Cam Courtney. They had been on for a while and he just flipped late, but you know, and if you look at the year before, it's kind of the same thing. So your Virginia is going to make hay in high school prior to the season. That's just the way it is. The guys who are going to wait. Usually they're looking for something that Virginia is probably not, gonna offer um so i mean i think if if you're a school like that you, you know regardless you know you, you're honest with yourself but whether you're virginia or georgia or wherever i think the way you look at football now is you're recruiting 85 guys every year um and it doesn't matter where they come from uh, you, you you obviously want to keep as much togetherness as you can but that's just not realistic i mean look at what happened with uva last year they signed cam kelly thinking Hey, that's going to help us in the defensive backfield. He bounced before his, you know, lease was up. Um, and that could happen again this year, like Justin was talking about. So I think you've got to, you've just got to consider, I've got to build an 85 every year. Um, so it starts recruiting the locker room, knowing what's going on there so that you can pivot. But yeah, it's just, yeah, I think you go after high school guys that you like and that fit your system. And if they're willing to commit early, you, you hold a spot for them. If they're not, I think for a school like Virginia, that's not going to compete when the big dogs, you know, start circling around when their classes are empty or after they miss on bigger targets. And then you focus on transfers, and that's basically what we saw this offseason. And I think one of you guys, I think Justin said it, but the staff has shown the ability to really connect. Um, 
for the most part, they've gotten almost every transfer they've gone after. They don't put out a lot of offers. You know, Tech offered like 32 transfers and got two. I think Virginia offered seven and got five. So that's a good closing rate. Actually, seven and could could get six. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's just the way you got to look at it. If you've been – I'm old, and it, it, I don't love it. Um, but, you know, I think it's just the way you've got to look at football now. You're recruiting 85 every year. It doesn't matter how you put it together, but you've got to make a good team because yeah. you're not going to stick around for five or six years to rebuild a roster anymore. So it just is what it is. Ferber, do you think that that's at odds with the developmental program piece of the thing and the way that Tony described it today? Because to Dave's point, like he's he, that's a really good frame, right? That it's it's you can think of it, you know, high school versus transfer portal and all, but really, it's eighty five, um, and each each team is almost its own thing. Um, you know, certainly you you have guys that you're uh, that you're carrying over and all, but um, but then again, Tony's talking about like, hey, I want to be a developmental program. I still believe you know we've got to be a developmental program. How, how do you feel about that, and how do you see these two pieces folding together? Yeah, I mean, I, I like the idea of being a developmental program. I think a, a school like UVA, that can be, one, an advantage, and two, a necessity because, you know, that's that's what you're getting, you know, in your recruiting classes. You're getting guys that are not going to be – and there's no one and nones in football anyway, but they're not necessarily going to come in and be lighting the world on fire as freshmen. And if they are, you know, some of those guys might leave. <laughs> so it's kind of a balancing act there. Um but yeah, I mean, I think like Dave's right. It's it's putting the whole puzzle together, and and you can. I think it's going to create more variance too. Like, you know, we can look at all right. So like we can in the past, you could look at like what UVA was this year, who they bring back, which that part of it honestly for UVA was pretty much how it used to be because they pretty much brought every key player back. Except yeah. you know, we'll see what happens, but. Um, you know, so that's good too. But like, you know, they went out and they added a few guys. Normally, we would be like, well, they're three and nine. You know, they they have a got a couple guys getting older, um, and you know, then you bring in a bunch of recruits. To one of one or two might help you, but maybe not. So then it becomes like, how good do you develop to determine if you go from three and nine to six and six or whatever? Um, but with the portal, I mean, you get a couple of the guys in the right spots, especially if you get quarterbacks right you know, you can turn your fortunes around quite quickly. I mean, Colorado, you know, they took way more transfers than anyone would really need to take. But, um, you know, they they obviously – it worked out for them early in the season. <laughs> um, and, you know, they won some games. But they – you know, if they kept the roster that Dion inherited, they would have been much worse. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, like, it. I think it just kind of – you have to be able to like brace for it and build your roster out. And you don't want to be left holding the bag, right? You don't want to be left with like three scholarship quarterbacks um, or whatever. And UVA is kind of in that position now, but it is what yeah. it is. Um, and like the running back position, it's like you're an injury or two away from a problem. Um, but you know, it, I think like the developmental piece is a nice thought and I think you should aim for that, but also you have to kind of, look at the the short term and the long term at the same time and right plan for 2024 just as much or well more so than 2025 2026 and also you know if we're being honest the developmental piece is great but you know that a lot of developmental players don't develop that's not right. a knock on anybody that's just, just the reality. truth yeah. it's the same everywhere so 
that creates a situation where if you're like, we're going to bring in more high school players than most teams, but some of them are going to be developmental players and then some of them don't work out. What happens then? Do you just carry them on your roster and let them get their degrees? Do you try to like, you know, talk them out of the school, you know, and try to fill get that space back? Um, that approach probably comes down to the coach, but I think UVA will probably have to be somewhat of a developmental program to, to survive because they're not going to, yeah. you're not going to get enough like talent, talent from the portal. And, and also like, you know, some of it's coach speak too, right? Like nobody's going to sit up there and be like, I want to be a year to year team. <laughs> like I want, well, I want I, this to be transactional. Yeah. And <laughs> how was what Malik did last year? Not developmental. Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, like, he, he wasn't that yeah. dude, like, at, at yeah. Northwestern. No, I, so, I, mean, I, I think I don't want to split that hair, though. Me. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't want to split that hair. I do think, though, that, that part of the reason, you know, part of the reason Tony talks about it this way, if you think about it in, like, a 3D chess sort of way, setting the expectation with guys, like, hey, we want you to come here and be more about more than just immediate playing time, you know, this many catches, this many reps, whatever, right? We want you to be about more than just, you know, immediately starting that kind of thing that actually sets the tone the right way in terms of making sure that they have the time to figure out who is going to catch on and who's not. And it also allows you to then go out and use your transfer portal um, opportunities to figure out the holes, right, to fill to fill in the gaps. So it's smart in the sense of, you know, if you think about it this way, it's smart in the sense of like you're setting the right expectations so that when you're building with them and around them. It it doesn't come off as wait a minute. This isn't what I you know what I was told. The flip yeah. side of that, I'm I'm reminded of when like remember Tony Bennett went through that phase where it was like, well we we you know we can't use all the scholarships, so we're going to leave a bunch of them open. And then he he got left without enough guys that one year. And so then he was like, you know what, we're just going to fill the roster and we don't care. Well, then he did that and he had a bunch of guys transfer. And ultimately what he decided is like, you know what, I'm just going to get as much talent as I can and let it all sort itself out. Right. And I feel like on the football side, like there are going to be a lot of schools that are going to be going through these same sort of growing pains the next couple of years as this, as a transfer portal sort of takes shape. Cause again, the COVID year part of this, it compounds everything. And, and, and this, this is a little in the weeds, but think about it like this, like, You've got so many kids who are still playing who shouldn't be playing, who in the normal way of the the system wouldn't be playing. That exacerbates the problem that they already have where the transfer portal kids are deciding at the same time the high school kids are deciding. And so like there are going to be a lot more high school kids in on rosters soon than there are right now, right? Because you're going to pull all these dudes who are, you know, in their 6th and 7th year and stuff off the list, right? And when you do that, you're going to have an influx of guys who are coming from the high school ranks. Um, and frankly, you're probably going to have more transfers because a lot of the transfer kids right now, they think they're going to end up somewhere great and they don't play anymore, right? They don't land anywhere. Um, the numbers are just kind of staggering on that, you know? So I feel like, I think, I think the staff is doing the right thing in terms of trying to match the pitch to the school but then I think it also kind of gives them a little bit of wiggle room that they need. And I think wiggle room that the system sort of requires, because like you yeah. said, you, you have to, you have to put a team out each year. You can't be thinking about three years down the road, but at the same time, you sort of also kind of need to think about three years down the road. And this sort of protects you from both. Yeah. And you, you know, developmental, you know, not to get into the weeds with the meaning of it, but 
you know, you're going to carry 85 scholarship guys, 105 or whatever the number is total when you count walk-ons and you need them for practice and scouting and all the other stuff. So a good chunk, you're not replacing that many every year. Um, you know, I think what we got 18 this year, I think we did maybe 24, 22, 23 last year, something like that. Um, you know, Louisville and Colorado, they've done some drastic stuff where they replaced about half the roster in one season, but that's just not going to happen here. So you've got to, you got to have guys who buy into that developmental thing just so you have, you know, guys who come in and, and are be like, okay, well, I'm, going to learn this year and maybe get a shot next year and it just is what it is you've got to it kind of goes back to recruiting your locker room right like having the right mindset when you come in um but the whole thing like it's difficult i don't envy these coaches but i mean i think there's enough proof two years in with this staff that you know if i were them i'd be not to tell them how to do their job but i mean yeah we I mean, I'll stick to what time, i say right? like if, if you don't have them committed by the time the the college season starts you might as well spend your efforts um working on your in-season stuff keeping the guys you got committed and starting to scout who might go in the portal yeah. um and i think it's fine you know virginia's not being absurd we have five transfer guys i think colorado's at 30 now or something louisville's up near 20 something after taking 40 last year or whatever it was um and that's just more variance because like that's good they'll probably some of those guys are going to hit you know, maybe yeah. big, but some of them aren't going to like, yeah, most of yeah. Yeah. A lot and of they don't know what they have until they play with them, you know yeah, what I yeah. mean? Which is a disadvantage, I think. Yeah. yeah. And it gets more complicated. We've all kind of talked about, I mean, I think if, if you ask each of us what we'd like to see him at, I mean, I've been big about adding a pass rusher, even as soon as last night, um, or whenever the green news broke. But, you know, if you think about it from a transfer, transfer um, perspective, They've got Chico, they've got Butler, they've got Ben Smiley. Um, yeah, what's appealing to about UVA yeah. to them? That's what I said. Yeah, exactly. Last week, right? So you can't promise them starting time because you know these guys who've been with you and who you know maybe didn't have as productive of a season as you'd like. You know what they are in the locker room, right? So you, you want to bring a guy who's going to be mad he's not playing, um, especially when you got guys like Buchanan and some of the dudes in this class, like that uh, Jewett. Jewett, Hayes. he could yeah, be I like Buchanan too. next year. Um, I like him. That Hayes kid is, if he can put on a little weight this offseason. Yeah. He kind of um, reminds me of the Bronco dudes that he would get. Where yeah, he like, does. guy's a little small, but he's fast and can, like, you know, get off blocks and stuff. Like, right. he could be something. And I think that's part of the problem you're seeing with Virginia adding a quarterback, because they need to, which is crazy, considering how many they had a year ago. Um, but, I mean, it's hard for him to get someone who really wants to come in and compete for playing time, because that's going to be a tough. I mean, even you can't even really get the number two job. Like you can't yeah. even yeah, like, I think I'm a play away. quarterback situation right now is, <laughs> is so cloudy because, you know, I think we all sort of assume based on what we saw this season that, you know, with more time that Calandrew would be the guy. We don't know that. Right. I mean, it could be a situation where they're trying to get him that red shirt next year. Like that sounds blasphemous, but it could play out that way. Right. Um, but today's point, I think these, you know, the the bigger picture of it is it's hard to it's hard to deny the um it's hard to deny that the the uh, level of difficulty for how to manage these things has gone up substantially with the with all of the different circumstances at play now right um and yeah you're right like if you've got a bunch of guys on defense that you know are going to be you know in the lock that are that are leaders in the locker room that the team responds to you 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 kind of can't bench them um you can't or or at least you can't not play them 
you definitely don't want some guy you, you make promises to to come in and such. I also think the flip side of that is is it, it, it again the the transfer portal in and of itself is one thing. The merger with that and high school recruit, but like when you have these guys who are getting these extra years because of the COVID year, um, it really does really muddies the water. Um, and so I feel like whatever it is right now in two, three years, it might not actually be like that still, right? There could be a new normal. We don't even know yet. Um, that sort of evens itself out where like, yeah, most of the guys now transfer after, you know, their, um, their junior year. Cause they played, you know, a little bit of here and there in their first two years. Maybe the, maybe one of them was their actual retro year, but the other one wasn't. And then they only, you know what I'm saying? Like it could actually even itself out where there's more of a, almost like a cyclical nature of it. That's not to say you won't still have those kids who leave right away. You know, the, the, you know, homesickness or fit or playing time or whatever is always going to be some guys like that. But I, I'm just curious as we go forward to see sort of how it all shakes out in terms of what, what kids are really looking for right now. It's so varied. Um, you know, you certainly have guys who are lower, you know, lower levels, so to speak, you know, non power five conferences that want to play at that level of football. You definitely have guys within power five who want to play at like the elite level. You certainly have guys who are unhappy in general. Maybe they were promised something that didn't deliver. Uh, there have been coaching changes, all that kind of stuff. The, the reasons why people transfer and the reasons why people pick the schools they pick once they do transfer, like, all that kind of stuff, like it's going to continue to be so varied. But I am curious to see if schools handle these things in similar fashions because it will tell us a lot um, sort of about what the expectation is for the transfers once they decide to leave and for the high school kids when they're looking for an opportunity, um, you know, at, you know, regardless of regardless of everything else. Like think about it. If you're a high school recruit now, you're not only worried about what the depth chart looks like now, you're worried about what the depth chart could look like next year. And you don't even see, you can't see it yet, right? Because um, if there's some kid that they recruited out of high school who they really liked, who went to you know insert name of school here, and now wants to come back home, um, maybe that kid comes back home. So you're not only competing against guys in your own class and guys on the roster of the team you're going to choose, you're also committing, excuse me, competing against dudes that aren't even there yet, um, which is kind of fascinating of itself. But anyway, all right, let's uh, let's wrap up on this one. So Ferber mentioned the 2025 class, and technically speaking, I know that the, I don't know, we just ought to just ca start calling this the signing day, and then that the late signing day or something. I don't know, but technically, I don't even they, think that day counts anymore. I mean, it really kind of does. It might be like, like one or two signings, but they're not doing like a whole spiel. Like, yeah, like. no, I, and the mothership, you know, kicks up, the, you know, now, you know, accordingly, right? Like they call this. It used to be this was early signing day. If this is just referred to as signing day now, um which I think we all thought was going to be the way it went. But anyway, um, but 2025, listen, they've already got one, four, another five, seven and a five, five quarterback. I mean, that's a solid start. Um, well before Christmas of the year before. Um, and I gotta be honest, if there's a reason to be optimistic about where this thing is going, this is a big part of it for me. Like those are three quality players. Um, you know, really nice fits in a variety of different ways for a variety of different reasons. Their ability to, to get these guys and get them early, um, you know, ironically, 
you know, we were talking earlier about how the numbers of the um, the number of, of commits or signees hurts UVA because there's just not enough of them in the in the big picture. But right now, UVA's got a top twenty class in twenty twenty five because there aren't as many schools out there with a lot of commitments, right? Um, I guess Ferber, let's let's just start with you. How much um, ex- excitement is not the right word? Um, what does it mean to you? How does it change your sort of calculus a little bit that they've done what they've done in recruiting for 2025 already? It or does it at if, all? I think it helps if they're better this year on the field, right? Because then you can say like, okay, they, they won some more games, you know, two rough years. Now they're they're starting to turn the corner on the field and they have these, assuming that, you know, all these guys end up signing um, yeah, that's it's fair. a long that's way a to go, yeah. you know, and, th- and, and there's no reason for me to think they won't, but you know how it is. Um, especially cause these three guys are good. Um, you know, like if they end up, you know, signing after a solid on field season, then you can say like, okay, you know, they might have something kind of cooking here a little bit. Um, and maybe it took them a while to kind of get going, but they're getting better. And, you know, it depends. We'll see what they add to what they already have, too, right? So, I mean, if these are your three best players and then everybody else is, like, you know, not on the level, then that, that's great that they got those three guys, but um, there's still a lot of work to do. But, yeah, I mean, definitely excited by all those additions. And the thing that kind of sticks with me is, um, especially with, you know, with the in-state player, Robinson, like, I could see, you know, the draw to stay home and all that and commit early. But especially with the other two, it's not like there was this big push to get them committed or something, right? It's not like, oh, well, they got pressured into doing it early and now they're like committed to UVA for some like what what's what's UVA's leverage, right? <laughs> like um you know, what we're not going to hold your spot like those guys all have offers from comparable programs. So it's like, you know, they didn't have to do this, but they chose to, which makes me feel good about maybe like the work that's been done there. Um and maybe you know more optimism that they could kind of keep these guys and build on it all right dave what about you what do you think i swear once a show i forget to push the mute button um yeah i mean not a whole lot to add to that i mean virginia's gonna like i said virginia's gonna make their hay between you know now and august um so there's not going to be any games played on the field before they get most of this class on so they've you know the staff's had three years of kind of getting in front of high school coaches and developing relationships and um, so far so good in 2025. They are, you know, they didn't get their first commit last year until March. So they're ahead of pace there. Um, and that, that's good because this class is going to have to be bigger. You know, I, I don't I'm trying to figure out this year's numbers. I don't, don't want to guess, but I'm going to think we're going to need like 25 year, or 30 guys next year. Um, yeah. So it's going to all yeah, the going to need a big class and all those like older players on the roster that didn't leave. Yeah, but yeah, but not to be a negative Nancy. They they've got to recruit as well as they can between now and August and if they don't win next year all of it's irrelevant. Um Yeah, but that's you true. know a great start, you know, cuz like I said, they can continue to and not only have they recruited three guys, you know, a couple of them are are really actively helping recruit already. Um you know, uh, is it Greer or Gear? I can't remember. Hold on. Gear. Um, shout out to Steven Greer, underrated player. Yes. Yeah. Cole gear. He's got a little bit of, uh, Anthony Calandria personality, at least online. Um, so he's out, you know, helping recruit. So I think they've got a good core group and if they can, you know, get to 15 or 
20 before the season starts, I'll feel really good about this class. But, you know, if, if the first game comes around and they haven't had a whole lot to this, I think you, you, you've seen you've got the right to be concerned about what they're going to bring in. And whether they'll hold on to the guys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there is plenty. Or if somebody else is going to be recruiting them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or re recruiting. Yeah. Well, there's, like I said, there's going to be plenty of of interesting data to look at in the coming months and years. I think that is a good place to put a pin in it. Um, If you're somebody out there, found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, Look us up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your programs. And if you're so inclined to give us a rating and a review, we'd appreciate it. If you're somebody who's found the pod, not give us a look at the website yet, check us out at CavsCorner.com. We uh, obviously lots of football recruiting stuff right now, and, and clearly, um, you know, we will we will return to basketball soon. For now, we'll we'll focus on on the Christmas holiday with our families before we uh, turn to whatever that was in Memphis uh, last night. I want to thank all of you out there for supporting the show. And, of course, I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously their time. As always, I very much appreciate all that they do. So, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorn.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.